Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4036 of the Bugle, the weekly factogram with all the latest scientific proof about the existence of the human race and the universe it so reluctantly lives in. I am Andy Zaltzman, a emeritus professor of exaggerating my own qualifications, live in London where we haven't had even a single general election in, what, what, about a month now. Democracy is withering on the vine as we speak. Let me have my say. Sorry, not say, my, my lunch. Oh, I meant lunch, it's midday, and that breakfast bagel has already thoroughly digested itself. Did you know, and here's a fact for you, Buglers, if a Jew eats a bagel, it is 50% more nutritious than if a Gentile eats a sandwich. That's, that is a religious fact. Joining me today for the fifth time on the Bugle, but the first time... On the better side of the equator. Come on, Southern Hemisphere, 6.7 billion people can't be wrong. Welcome back. Live in London, just one table's width away from me. That is about 10,000 miles less than last time she was on the show. It's Alice Fraser. Hello, Andy. Oh, this is so much better than when I was hiding in the ABC disabled toilets trying to get a connection with you guys last time. <laughs> Out of context, that, that, that might seem weird. But th- that is basically how the last recording happened. You yeah. were... I was being booted out of various places in the ABC (laughs) trying to find a quiet corner. I mean, what is technically a place where you're meant to be able to record things, but apparently you're not allowed to hide in the toilets. (laughs) Good. good. Jimi Hendrix used to... He used to to hide in the toilet. Well, not so much hide in the toilet as play play his guitar in the toilet. Rich, uh, in the producer chair this week, uh, you're a guitarist, aren't you? I am, yes. uh, How how do you find the toilet acoustic from a, a kind of Hendrix mimicry point of view? Um, well, obviously, it would be hugely advantageous to take a portaloo around with you at all times, just to get that really echoey. Is that sound. why they have so many portaloos at festivals? <laughs> that's, that's where the bands are all warming up. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I understand it now. Uh, this is Bugle four thousand and thirty-six four zero three six. Interestingly, the uh, last personal pin number of Henry the Eighth. That was what he used for all his passwords in the last few years of his life. Of course, the six that came from obviously the number of wives. He had four, uh, was the number of wives, dead or alive, who still had heads. Nought was the number of wives he'd ever had who didn't look at him a bit funny when he started telling them how some of his previous relationships had ended. And three was the number of spouses he'd had beheaded. That, that's right, recently released documents suggest that he did actually marry Sir Thomas More in what was possibly the first gay wedding in British, British history. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's not actually proven. But, you know, they're just you draw the Venn diagram between people Henry VIII had beheaded and wives, and there's a good chance someone's going to fall into that by accident. Surely. I'm not a mathematician. That was the choice they gave Sir Thomas More when they offered to chop his head off. More or less? <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got Colin early with a wordplay joke. That's good. Improv. Good. It's all improv, Andy. This is the Bugle for the 10th of July, 2017. A hundred years to the second since the first time anyone used the phrase, so has anyone got a plan B? After the First World War had quite literally got stuck in the mud. 1967 was, on this day, the first rumours that a fleet of alien spaceships had attacked the world, moving slowly, horizontally, side to side and firing bombs downwards. Uh, they were eventually defeated after an increasingly frantic defensive effort by a laser cannon. It was never officially confirmed, but just 11 years later, the first Space Invaders computer game came out. Join the dots, people. Join the f***ing dots. In 1584, on the 10th of July, just 433 short years ago, uh, the first ever assassination of a head of state with a handgun. 
the celebrity assassinee on the occasion being King William the Silent. He was the uh, the victim, helped to very much live up to his name by the 16th century shootist Balthazar Gerard. Now, Balthazar Gerard, uh, who uh, I mean, I mean, King, he's been very silent pretty much ever since King William the Silent. To be fair, Gerard was captured after quite literally tripping over a pile of rubbish with a bladder tied to his waist. Isn't history fun? Um, (laughs) And his sentence was uh, to have his hand burned off with a red-hot iron, to have flesh torn from his bones in six different places, to be quartered and disemboweled, to have his heart ripped from his still live body and thrown in his still conscious face, and then, just in case, uh, decapitated. In the meantime... He would have 130 kilogram weights dangling from his toes. He would be uh, lashed to a pole and whipped, obviously. Uh, then the wounds, quite clearly, smeared in honey and then left for a goat to lick the honey off. Uh, although apparently the goats <laughs> wanted no part in this and refused to debase itself in this uh, strange game well, of crime. goat's vegan. Pod. They don't approve of honey. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you've gone there for the not approving of honey rather than not approving of the wounded human flesh element of veganism. Yeah, go- goats don't respect humans. Right. But they do respect bees. They respect the bee. Well, that's good to hear. Um, also, uh, Balthazar had his uh, feet crushed and roasted, which is I mean, not really ideal if you're a potato, let alone a human foot. Uh, then, of course, a cheeky little blast of sleep deprivation whilst his hands and feet were tied together. Forced to wear shoes made of dog leather which is very untrendy at the time, aside from all the other humiliations. Uh, he had his armpits branded. Uh, he, had, he was jabbed with nails, because why wouldn't you? And he had burning bacon fat poured all over him, which in context was probably the highlight, at least that would have... You know, I mean, it's not really kosher. Nice. Not kosher, no. I don't know if Balthazar Gerard was uh, into uh, into kosher food or not. But... I mean, that sounds like the absolute definition of overkill. Uh yes. And also, it does raise questions about the quality of his lawyer. <laughs> yeah, uh, Balthazar, good news. We've managed to get the having marmalade licked off your open wounds by a donkey uh, transmuted to having honey licked off your open wounds by a goat. So I think that's definitely a step forward. And hopefully we can have the being branded and then forced to wear an alcohol-soaked shirt. Oh, sorry, I didn't tell you about that, did I? Sorry, that was in the small print. Anyway, hoping to get that bumped down to clamping in nadges under a 10-volume encyclopedia while someone plays table tennis with your eyeballs. <laughs> uh, my invoice is in the post. Could you please pay that uh, before the bit where they rip your heart out and chop your head off? Uh, that does mean I'm not super hopeful about the appeal. That seems a harsh sentence for for any crime really yeah yeah that's the like but how can we kill him but more i don't know if this i mean this to me is one of the reasons we left brexit is this kind of european excessive bureaucracy and compromise clearly this has happened on the continent is a load of people all wanting to have their say you've ended up with a ludicrously convoluted sentence everyone wanting to have their bit it's gone way too far that that sentence I reckon was on a lot of people's minds when we voted just over a year ago, Alice. I mean, look, it does drop recidivism rates <laughs> significantly. Yeah, well done for saying the positive in that. Yeah, I don't think Balthazar Gerard ever assassinated another head of state with a handgun again, so can't argue with the stats. Cannot argue with the stats. Anyway, that was in 1584. 1928, on the 7th, we are recording on the 7th of July. On this day, Alice, 89 years ago, sliced bread was sold for the first time. Pre-sliced bread, one of the most significant uh, landmarks in the history... Of idioms. Of Well, I mean, because obviously that led to the best thing since sliced bread, suggesting that up till 1928, 7th of July, there was a different thing by which good things were compared. 
Yeah, just people laying a slice of ham on a loaf and gnawing at it. Right. So the best thing since the open ham sandwich. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Progress is progress. As always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, it's a summer films section. We review The Picnic, a moody art house French offering, original title Le Picnic, in which a teenage boy has a coming-of-age picnic in which an older woman teaches him how to grudgingly pretend to enjoy eating carrot batons and celery sticks whilst being harried by a wasp and worrying about impending rain, starring a newcomer Balfour Slurge and uh, the star of Afternoon at a Cloudy Beach by the same director, Julietta in Clamembert. Uh, for the family, new uh, animation coming out of the big animation studios in America entitled Massive-Eyed Generic Animated Characters <laughs> in an Irritatingly Self-Satisfied Plot, voiced by famous people who've clearly phoned it in in one afternoon. Long-awaited follow-up to all other recent family films. It's going to be absolutely great for the summer. Uh, also, coming out this week, we review Big Old Titties 2. <laughs> the uh, controversially titled but slow-moving documentary about the restoration of a series of large murals by the 16th century Italian Renaissance painter Titian. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, they could have thought it's really just about getting bums on seats, isn't it? And also, in the uh, summer film section, we interview the Hollywood blockblusterer Clavicle Scrayhorn about his new preemptive uni-sequel, Justice Motor 5. <laughs> Both the first and fifth instalments of the brand-new hyper-franchise, Justice Motor, which uh, set to hit the screens this weekend. Scrayhorn plays Judge Frank Clank, who drives his four-wheel automated Lamborghini courtroom at breakneck <laughs> speeds around the streets of Americana, dispensing on-the-spot, off-the-dashboard justice with a side order of meaningless tangential incidental violence, reaching the parts of society the legal system cannot or will not reach. Thrilling action and technical legal arguments all the way as Judge Clank chases down the prosecution Humvee and the defence motorcade at speeds in excess of very fast indeed, with an even more thrilling edge-of-the-seat verdict scene uh, whilst uh, Judge Clank careers down a mountain road with no brakes. Scrayhorn explained uh, about the, uh, the pre-sequel. Obviously, we haven't yet made Justice Motor. Justice Motor 2, Appeals on Wheels. <laughs> Justice Motor 3, Verdicts of the Vroom Vroom. Or even JM4, 12 Angry Kilometres. But by bringing out Justice Motor 5, hearings on the highway first, before the others, we thought we could make it seem like a successful film franchise that keeps just churning out the big ones year on year, regardless of quality, and that means ticket sales. Scrayhorn explained the Justice Motor franchise uh, has also already skipped out two spin-off TV series, uh, Service Station Litigation and Two-Wheel Tessa Motorbike Magistrate, in order to give the commercially advantageous impression that Justice Motor has already outgrown its own success and is probably worth going to see in the cinema just to see how they're still dragging it out, even though you know it's probably going to be shit. Next films in the franchise, uh, Justice Motor 8, One Last Case, and Justice Motor 9, Another One Last Case, are due out in 2022 and 2024 respectively, hoping to make people think, oh no, I must have missed part six, full tilt testimony, and part seven, subpoenas at speed, and fork out the hard-earned ticket money once again. That section, in the bin. I don't believe in those action movies. Uh, you know, it's just a subpoenas extension. Ah, <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Top story. 
North Korea missile mess. The United States has cautioned on Wednesday that it is ready to use force if need be to stop North Korea's nuclear missile program. But it said it preferred global diplomatic action against Pyongyang for defying world powers. North Korea test launched a ballistic missile that could hit Alaska and Kim Jong-un called it a gift package to the US on the 4th of July, which... Look, it's not a great gift. Uh, I mean, I'm quite good at going, ooh, just what I always wanted when someone gives me a fidget spinner. But the threat of nuclear war is not on the GQ mantastic list of 10 great gifts that will blow her underpants off. (laughs) Did you know that Kim Jong-un is actually just his nickname? It's short for Kim (laughs) Jong-un-pleasant. I I did not know that. But it does, it, it stacks up. With his behaviour. Yeah, yeah, it really it really does. The US is saying that it would prefer diplomatic action to military force, which, I mean, I don't know. Why would you prefer diplomatic action to nuclear war? That's just silly. It's like, you know, when your manager, Kevin, keeps insisting on taking you out to dinner to talk about your performance at work instead of letting you do the deadly knife fight for the honour of the sales department that I keep suggesting. <laughs> don't tell me you wouldn't hit your KPIs with vigour if the alternative was a slashing, sweaty scramble in the bloodied sands of the arena or, as Kevin keeps insisting on calling it, the lunchroom. <laughs> it's. Uh, I was just thinking, actually, I mean, it's kind of coincidence this story has uh, blown up this week because uh, I was just sitting uh, sitting at home on Monday uh, thinking to myself, I'll tell you what this planet really, really needs right now, and that is uh, North Korea to prove that it can fire missiles onto American soil. That'll sort everything out. I mean, quite why you would want to fire a missile at Alaska is not entirely clear. I don't know that it would necessarily change the sort of howling wasteland aspect of it. No? Yeah, it might warm the place up a bit, I guess. So, if anything, <laughs> it might be considered large-scale home improvements. Um, Trump's reaction to this, I mean, clearly he would absolutely love a massive global war, even if he can't say that out loud. I think in the film that is going on inside his head, that is how he sees how he sees it all playing out. Yeah, I think he's watched too many movies because what he's done now is he started putting pressure on China to stop trading with North Korea, uh, suggesting that they will have US sanctions against any country that does business with this outlaw regime, which, I mean, boycotting China, it's not like they make literally everything you buy. (laughs) I mean, you've got the option between nuclear brinkmanship or alienating China. It's starting to look like the only choice Trump is proposing is whether the barren wasteland with no computers and brutal food shortages is going to be radioactive or not. (laughs) Would you like a cat vomit sandwich or a radioactive cat vomit sandwich? We have gluten-free bread. (laughs) Um, I I think he's probably a grudging admirer of of Kim Jong-un in some ways, particularly his amazing TV ratings figures. Because, I mean, that is how Trump judges the value of a person, clearly. Yes. Is by their TV ratings. And Kim Jong-un, uh, according to official North Korea government stats, uh, his new TV series, Kim Jong-un Walks Along a Path and Then Eats a Snack, was watched by over 40.3 billion North Koreans. So wow. and those are Im- impressive stats. And those are the kind of numbers Trump listens to. I, I mean, I guess when you see a global crisis that brings together Kim Jong-un and and Donald Trump. And, you know, I am a, a Trump sceptic. I think I've laid those cards on the table. I guess mathematically the world is hoping that it's like a double negative, that an idiot times an idiot equals a genius. And, you know, they'll come up with some kind of grand plan for saving the whole of humanity. Yes, sort of uh, paunchy plutocrats incorporated. It's a rating <laughs> bonanza. I, I, yeah, it's... 
I try not to think about it too much because it just makes me sad. <laughs> Paunchy Plutocrats Incorporated, incidentally, is another one of the animated summer films coming out this week <laughs> um, from the Pixar studio. Um, uh, I guess uh, the same way people are hoping when Trump meets Putin, uh, that's same double negative principle. They all emerge from it, a single great guy, modest, balanced, objective, and with the best interests of all humanity at heart. I mean... That seems inevitable now. I reckon we need scientific testing. I reckon we need to fire them both at each other at high speed and then we either get two pancakes or the world leader that we've always wanted. I mean, people talk a lot about the, the, the global events that have had the biggest TV audience. You know, the moon landings, obviously back in the day in terms of proportion of the planet. Generally, whenever India plays Pakistan at cricket <laughs> in a significant game, it's up in the top ten of all time. Most important events. But Trump and Putin being physically fired at each other in some kind of high-tech modern jousting, that I cannot believe any less than 99% of the world's population would tune in for that. Yeah, and if they hit each other at enough velocity, then the machismo fallout will give everybody much stronger biceps. <laughs> I also like Kim Jong-un describing this as a, as a, as a gift. It does suggest... He needs to see someone about his anger management issues. <laughs> and it does explain why his his uh, life partners generally look a bit worried. Yes, and when you say life partners... Yeah, I mean, life is... A, I mean, it's a flexible term in, in Kim Jong-un's world. I mean, it's, they have done ever since his notorious Valentine's Day uh, pink and blue his and hers missiles test debacle. <laughs> um I mean, this is this is a man who broke up with one of his generals by literally firing a missile onto him. Yes. Um, Trump tweeted, does this guy have anything better to do with his life? Well, <laughs> no. He's a, he's a lunatic despot. He's just doing his job. I mean, this is... I mean, he's doing it by the book. He's almost like he's watched the cartoon films and knows exactly what to do. And it does also make you wonder, does Mr Trump not have anything to do, better to do with his time than sending tweets um, to uh, loony despots criticising them for how they're spending their lives. I think uh, events have proven definitely not. No, other than harassing journalists and racking up prize after prize from overtly awkward Marriage Monthly magazine. The previous American tactic with Korea was strategic patience. That is now over, apparently. I don't know if it's been replaced with strategic impatience, unstrategic patience or unstrategic impatience. It's like that known knowns, unknown, unknowns thing all over again. Perhaps some kind of middle grounds, like tactical irritability or diplomatic strop borderlining. Yeah, I'm maybe, not sure gonna play maybe out, we need a naughty corner. A global naughty corner, also known as the International Criminal Court, isn't it? <laughs> G20 news now, and... Uh, well, I mean, it's international diplomacy all over the place uh, this week, Alice. The G20, uh, everyone's favourite um, collection of 20 powerful geopolitical entities. They're having their... Uh, well, the first meeting since Trump became leader of the universe he is clearly loving every second of it. You know, this is his natural, his natural habitat as the pretend politician he's become. Oh, yeah, just doing his handshake, weird, wrestly thing. Oh, makes him happy. Yes. I mean, it is slightly concerning at this delicate time to have America represented by a conversational cesspit. But, I mean, he is essentially the world's most oddly coiffured resignation letter. <laughs> Dear planet, we hereby tender our notice as global superpower and a beacon of hope. Uh, regards, USA. And, 
I mean, he seems to he views the world in very very binary terms. He seems to have as rigorous a grasp on the infinite complexities of history and global politics as Julius Caesar, the former ancient Rome superstar and latterly part-time pincushion. Uh, same grasp as Caesar had on how to play pro-evolution soccer on a PlayStation, in that he looks like he needs at least another 2,000 years to start even starting to get the hang of it. And and the meeting with Putin, clearly, I mean, this is you know the love that dare not speak its name or certainly dare not speak his name in, in courtrooms. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I'm so upset by Putin's just very general presence in the world. I kind of hope uh, that that he's regretting his choice to back Trump in the recent American election, uh, as all evidence seems to indicate that he did. I'm, I'm hoping that he's just made that realisation, as you do sort of five minutes into a Tinder date, of like, oh, <laughs> this was a terrible, terrible decision. I've used the internet for evil rather than good. Right. Well, I, yeah, I've not really thought of Putin's relationships in terms of Tinder, but that does... I think that, that probably suits his psychological profile, doesn't it? He yes. swiped right on Trump by accident. Right. I think maybe that's, that is... I mean, it is time, I think, for us to start harnessing the wonders of modern technology to help streamline our political processes. And, I mean, there's an awful lot of beating about the bush in international politics, people saying things quite cryptically. If we reduced it down to a simple Tinder swipe, I mean, that's pretty much how wars used to be declared in the 18th century, I think. Direct democracy. Yeah. Very direct democracy. Chancellor Angela Merkel said that uh, while there'd be likely agreement on combating terrorism financing, there remains a whole series of thorny issues within the G20, including their differences with America over its protectionist attitude to trade while Germany is fighting for open markets. I mean, if you're trying to have a productive discussion with Donald Trump, it's less thorny issues than it is wearing a thorn bush as a G-string. Like... <laughs> You just want to have a nice sit-down, but you've got a spiky branch presenting irreconcilable differences to your perineum. Right. How much empirical research did you do for that? that bit? I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> German police have used water cannons to disperse around 500 anti-capitalist protesters overnight in Hamburg, where Chancellor Angela Merkel will host the leaders of the G20 in a two-day summit, which starts on Friday. Tens of thousands of protesters are expected to march in the city against globalisation, corporate greed and a failure to tackle climate change. And I, for one, am going to be right there with them selling anti-capitalism T-shirts and fidget spinners that say, fight the power. <laughs> um, it's good to have you know, water cannons. The world is too modern now, but water cannons, there's something charmingly retro about just firing water cannons at, at protesters, isn't there? Yeah. It shows that, you know, that not everything is changing in the world. There are still some beacons of stability to cling to. Yes, especially if you consider that they've been watching The Wizard of Oz and the, they're assuming that all protesters are witches and will melt. <laughs> is that not so? That I, I, I believe that scientifically that is what they are attempting to do. Because <laughs> nothing makes you less angry than being sprayed in the face with water. Uh, well, it depends if it's a hot day or not, doesn't it? That's true. Yeah. I take it back. <laughs> Saudi Arabian journalism news. Saudi Arabia's King Salman bin Abdulaziz has ordered a columnist to be suspended from his job after he equated the king with God, according to Saudi Arabian media. I mean, kings, am I right? You can't please them. They're always like, praise me, praise me, more, more, less, less, little to the right, yes, yes, no, f*** 
it, you ruined it, I'm going to sleep. Uh, the Al Jazeera paper has apologised profusely and it's anticipated that they will buy the king some pretty flowers on his way home from work and compliment his hair. <laughs> the king has made a reservation for brunch with his girlfriends where he's expected to complain that newspapers are way too keen it's kind of a turn-off and where have all the good men gone, am I right, sisters? <laughs> um, I mean, it's. I, I mean, there's different ways of interpreting this. Um, I mean, it could be that he's worried at being associated with with God as leader of Saudi Arabia, because God, of course, um, had way, way more progressive attitudes towards women uh, than Saudi Arabia has generally had, despite being brought up in a very different time, to be fair to God, I think does explain. But doesn't, I'm not saying it justifies some of the slightly more misogynistic attitudes God has exp- has expressed over the years. I mean, we all have our issues with self-loathing, and arguably God is both man and woman. And the woman is just, you know, him thinking his bum's a bit fat. You know, that's right. that part yeah. of his personality. He's got to punish, right. he's, punish himself. Right, he's like an earthworm. I mean, earthworms. <laughs> God is like an earthworm. <laughs> that's my favourite hymn. In so many ways. <laughs> I mean, earthworms must have awful self-image issues. I think that's natural world's most famous hermaphrodite species. Oh, uh, yeah. Earthworm stand-up is, is awful. <laughs> Differences between men and women, are there? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I do worry if, if, if they start applying the same principles to journalists fawning over the royalty in this country, there are going to be a lot of tabloid hacks really having to tone down the Lizzie language. Because, I mean, I think we we pretty much view our monarch, and of course your monarch as an Australian. Oh, boy. Long may she reign. As a, as a deity. Uh, as a god, uh, in that there is no discernible proof that she does anything. But <laughs> people find succour and comfort in the idea of her existence. And she's more comforting than the alternatives in some ways. And also nepotistically appoints her own son to top jobs. So clearly a lot of similarities. Yeah, I regularly uh, sacrifice a goat to Queen Elizabeth. A goat. That's how we do it in Australia. <laughs> the goat sacrifice. Yeah, well, I disagree with their attitude to bees. Gender equality news. Harvard's Fox Club will not allow nine women who had enjoyed provisional status in their group to become full members, effectively expelling the women and marking the club's return to all-male status almost two years after it first became co-ed. The women, although they did their best to fit in with the club's ethos, were told to go fox themselves. Despite their best efforts at vixen the gender imbalance, I guess they were just not game enough for the Fox Club. Come on. Look, I think it's a step forward. The Fox Club is just taking one of the necessary steps to getting back to its roots as a club that is entirely for foxes. <laughs> Soon the male memberships will also be revoked and the club will be, as it was always meant to be, a safe haven for foxes to play drinking games and do the foxtrot without the constant threat of Tories and hunters and fashionable women who want to wear them as neck decor. <laughs> foxes need a safe space. I mean, of course, it's politically incorrect... And they are being a bit hunty about it. <laughs> Come on. Um, well, that kind of stuff is always welcome uh, in this <laughs> the, the broad church of the bugle. Um, Why do you look pained? <laughs> um, I mean, it does, this is Harvard. This is one of the leading educational establishments in the world. Uh, appear to have decided that women are just a passing fad. Um, I mean, we did, after all, get along without women quite well until the feminazi lobby forced God to make Eve. So just getting back to basics, isn't it? Yeah, just stick the rib back where it originally was, (laughs) go play a nice round of golf. (laughs) Uh, 
uh, despite the best efforts of uh, the, the Fox Club to ensure that all the world are male graduates, I think that's what it's about, um, apparently uh, a man shortage is prompting educated women in America to freeze their eggs, a shortage of what the report described as educated men. Yeah, it's it's all gone downhill since they taught women critical thinking and uh, <laughs> now they can't find men who are they're willing to mate with. But, I mean, does this suggest that you know, women are far too picky nowadays? I mean, it wasn't so long ago that you people were happy to find a man who could draw a rough picture of a cow on the wall of a cave and bring down a diplodocus with a spear. But thanks to Mrs Pankhurst, it's all, we've all got to be rocket scientists now as well. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a it is a feminism problem. You right. know, women want all of the power, but they don't want to be, you know, the the breadwinner and the and the smart one in the relationship as well. They keep wanting a guy who's like equal or better. <laughs> we need to get like we need to get with the man program and start marrying like dumb pretty ones. Well, that's what my wife did. That's real <laughs> equality. Yeah, she's a pioneer. <laughs> the author of the report is Professor Marcia Inhorn who's clearly fictitious. I imagine from the same people who created Elon Musk, the <laughs> equally fictitious tycoon. And Nathan Chestnut, the hot dog eating champion. Ah, well, we will get on to, get on to, uh, get on to him later. Is it, is it Nathan? Uh, uh, oh, sorry, Joey his name Chestnut. is Joey Chestnut and he won the Nathan's hot dog That's eating right. competition yeah. uh, by eating 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Yes, well, and they he's... say there's a man shortage. <laughs> well, exactly. These Harvard women are just looking in the wrong place. They're looking. They're not looking in hot dog eating competitions. Um, there is. I mean, he is a genius of hot dog eating. I think this is his tenth win in a row at the Nathan's hot dog eating competition. Raising the interesting question: Is Joey Chestnut now the most influential man in history with the initials JC, <laughs> or? Might the likes of Christ, Caesar, Cash, Chan, Corbyn and uh, ter- tennis player Jeremy Chardy have something to say about that. Um, I mean, what an amazing skill to have, though. I mean, this, in terms of... You know, we, we, we've talked a lot about impending apocalypse on this show. In terms of the skills you will need as the world falls to pieces. Yeah, getting it all down before the zombie horde arrives. Exactly. Getting in your nutrition for the next three weeks. He's a role model for all humanity. Offending as many vegetarians as you possibly can in the <laughs> shortest period of time. Because they basically they dunk, dunk the hot dogs in water, don't they? To make them more delicious. To make, oh, I think that's just basic, Lubrication, basic en- engineering, yeah. isn't it? So the, basically they, these water-soaked tubes of probably edible animal death um, <laughs> swallow them down unnaturally and medically inadvisable speed to the baying adulation of a crowd of people who slake their primeval bloodlust by watching dog after dog <laughs> after dog disappear down the well-trained gullets of their heroes. I mean, I'm a, I love sport, as you know, Alice. Yes. But it's made me think, is this hot dog eating actually any more weird than you know, professional rugby union or ice hockey? I mean, it does definitively answer the question, should you, if you can... Uh, with the answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate end of all philosophy now, that sentence. Congratulations. I mean, I sort of understand the urge to sort of improve yourself and impress other people by doing as much of whatever it is that you're doing that you can, right? Yeah. That's a classic man, a man attitude of like, oh, more, better, harder, 72 hot dogs. But I don't understand the people who watch it. Right. Uh, maybe that's just you know, my, my, my prejudice 
talking. I can't, I can't see the beauty and elegance like that I can see in a Roger Federer backhand in a man eating seventy-two hot dogs in ten minutes. I just don't have the the same the frame of reference. Maybe because I've not been brought up. If I've been brought up from a young age watching people eat seventy-two hot dogs in ten minutes, maybe I'd appreciate the. Maybe the you need to plunge yourself into this sport to truly appreciate. I, I think you need to go home, buy a hundred hot dogs, right. and tell your mum, uh, tell tell your wife it's for research. I can tell my mum as well. Tell your mum it's for research. <laughs> tell your wife it's for research, uh, and then just eat them in front of your children. Right? Is it like football? Do you have to support like your local, like your local hot dog eater? eater well, I don't know if you support the eater or if you support the hot dog manufacturer. Is it like Formula One? Are they like? Hot dogs that are scientifically just give you a huge advantage. It could be like Fernando Alonso in Formula One. But I, mean, I, I, we've talked a little bit recently about hybrid sports as well. And I think, you know, if hot dog eating is going to really make it to the masses, it needs to piggyback on another. Oh, another extreme sport. hot dog eating while doing the luge. Yeah, the luge. I was thinking maybe Olympic dressage. <laughs> Well, you know, that's a very technical sport that doesn't have a broad range of appeal, but imagine how many more people would watch it. And the losing horse becomes the if... hot dog. <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that has been suggested by the French Olympic Committee. But um, the... the um, well, I guess I'd been thinking of the rider being the one who ate the hot dogs. Maybe if the rider and the horse have to eat a hot dog each with every bit of horsey dressage. Sure. I mean, how would you rank the technique? Are you going for pranciness or gluttony? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand dressage, but I understand they do get points for pranciness. Yes, it is. pranciness is the official term, I believe. And, 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 and ice, ice dressage is coming in the next Winter Olympics. That's everyone's <laughs> going to watch that. Your emails now, and this comes from Eleanor Cotto in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, who writes, uh, Andy, I just listened to episode 4035 and was incensed to hear... Tiff Stevenson and Tom Ballard giving you stick about not catching some stupid Game of Thrones reference when you had dropped Sir Donald Bradman's test batting average <laughs> as the accuracy with which an iPhone will soon predict its owner's future. And they let it pass entirely without comment or indeed any seeming recognition at all. Shame, shame, writes Eleanor, especially on Tom Ballard, not only because he is an Australian and should therefore have known this from birth, but also because he is an occasional employee of the ABC who used the Don's Average as their mailing address, P.O. Box 9994, for their flagship national sport radio programme, Grandstand. But no, he and Tiff would rather cram their brains full of dragon shit. What is this world coming to? Yours in admiration of subtle cricket illusions, Eleanor Cotto. That's, well, that's good to hear that, you know, test cricket from the 19... Well, from 1928 to 1948 can still get people's attention just as Game of Thrones... I mean, I'm shocked that your listenership is more pro-cricket than pro-Game of Thrones, Andy. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a Thrones fan? Uh, no. I mean, I read the books and then sort right. of after the third or fourth time an underage girl gets sort of married off, I thought, oh, this is less a plot point than a than a hobby for the author. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know, I think if you're into test cricket, Game of Thrones just doesn't hack it for me. You know, um, do keep your emails coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Uh, well, that brings us towards the end of this week's show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It's been a delight to have Alice back on the show. She is knocking around Britain for the next, what, three months? Yes. Including a month in Edinburgh. 
Plug the show, Alex. 10pm at the Gilded Balloon. The show is called Empire, and I'm worried that 10pm will lead to lots of drunk idiots coming to my show. So come and don't be a drunk idiot. (laughs) My show will be an altogether uh, less uh, drunken idiot heavy show in three in the afternoon where I get... uh, Look, it is Edinburgh. I get sober idiots instead. Um, Maybe slightly hopped up on caffeine uh, after an early start. Uh, My show, uh, Satirist for Hire, with which buglers will probably be familiar, uh, at uh, the stand from the 14th-ish. I should know this by now, shouldn't I? It's all online. Just show up in Edinburgh and hang around. You'll find Andy. Uh, Do send your uh, requests to satirise this at satiristforhire.com because that email feed could really do with some emails that are not offering me penile medication. Um, but are you happy with the strength of your erections, Andy? Really? Uh, well, uh, oh, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for listening, Buglers. Uh, next week is uh, the live Bugle from the Underbelly in London uh, with Nish Kumar and Helen Zoltzman. Uh, that show is now sold out, but there will be two live Bugles in Edinburgh on the 16th and 27th. Um, and further live bugles uh, later in the year in London. So uh, listen, listen to this space. Watch and listen to this this space, and I will tell you all about them in due course. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from the Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now. It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.